World Building, Supernatural versus Technology. This is Demystified, solving DM mysteries in 20 minutes or less, because the only hard part is scheduling the next session. Hi, I'm Jamie. I'm Joey. And I'm Asaf. Today, we're going to talk about balancing supernatural and technology in your world. Something that's really cool about fantasy worlds is that you get to say what makes things happen, how commerce happens, how people do things in this world. Is it going to be primarily driven through magic? Is it going to be driven by praying to a god and the gods take care of it? Or is it going to be cyberpunk where everything is technology all the time? I think you could have a little bit of everything. You can. It's up to you. I'm not forcing you to choose right now, but you can balance all of these things and have them interplay with each other in your setting. One thing to think about when And it's perfectly okay. It's a perfectly okay way of doing it is, are you going to restrict character options? If you have a player who comes in, it's like, I want to play a Warforge. Never. In your setting, are you going to be like, Warforge don't fit? Or are you going to say, you can, but you're the only one? Or Warforged are everywhere. So how do you include these choices? Do they affect character choices? and options personally i don't like to take anything off the table when it comes to player options but if you are not going to have a certain player race or player option in your world i think you should still allow the player to have it and have a reason why they are the only one with that i think that's fair but everyone's different and some dms they just don't want to deal with anything weird right yeah i've had dms where they're like Nobody gets to play an elf because they're like, everyone plays elf. No elf. Or we're playing a Terminator campaign where the objective is to kill John Connor. You are all Warforged. (laughs) Yeah, that takes away from player agency, in my opinion. But sometimes everyone's on board for it. They go for it. Yeah, there's a difference. Like the way I look at it is like player agency can depend on a lot of things. But one of it is, are they making a choice to play something for a mechanical benefit or are they doing it for the narrative benefit? And if they're doing it for the narrative benefit, then the question is like, how does it interact with the world? If they're doing it for mechanical benefit, you can have them have that benefit without being that race. True. If you're going to include technology or supernatural elements or not include them, going back to last episode, there should be a reason for it being there or not being there. And there should be a consequence for its presence and or lack thereof right yeah it's a way to give the players more options or force them into more restrictive thing which you'd really need to do buy-in from your players if you believed my english teacher that they would say that the harsh rules and restrictions of the sonnet a very restrictive set lines of rhyming poetry, the rhyme structure had to be a certain way, that those rules created additional creativity. And if you subscribe to that theory, then sure, restrictions can breed creativity, where if everyone is a bard and it's just oops, all bards campaign, that could be fun, it could be gimmicky, or it could just be a slog. And I think it depends on the, going back to what I was saying before, the reason for the restrictions. I used to be a teacher and... I would tell students to do a task and if I gave them 
no guidelines, I got garbage. But if I gave them guidelines and restrictions, I was like, all right, you have to do this task and you have to use these tools. I'm not going to tell you how to use these tools, but these are the only tools you got. I would get more. So having some restrictions, not necessarily going crazy with it, but breed creativity. It has to go back to the purpose. Like if all you're doing is because you as a DM hate elves, then that's on you. That's not necessarily going to make the game better. But if your players are okay with it, okay, go for it. So something to keep in mind, and the reason that I decided to frame this as supernatural versus technology is that our computers are dumb rocks that we shocked with electricity until they started thinking. Right now, we don't have sentient computers, which means that all of our electrical, mechanical devices, all of our smartphones, all of our cars, even self-driving cars, there's no intelligence to them. They don't really have a personality beyond what's programmed into them. Mm-hmm. And so having a very high technology or even like a very strong magic where the magic doesn't have a personality is a way that the players can interact with their world without any mediating personalities. If you bring supernatural into this, if you bring deities into this, the gods have personalities. The warlock patrons have goals. And so this is a way of forcing your players to interact with a sort of mediating character, mediating intelligence when they want to do something. Yeah, and you could end up with some very good narrative tools with that. Warlock patrons are a lot of fun. Yeah. To work with. What if you wanted to say that there was something like a warlock patron that made all characters special and you wanted to extend that beyond the warlocks? Encanto. If you ask me, the movie Encanto is Abuela. She's a warlock. She's a warlock. <laughs> the house is the, no, the house is the packed boon. Yeah. And the candle is the patron or the miracle is the patron or whatever. The patron gives, gave her, the candle gave her the house. And the house gave them their powers. And then the patron decided that Abuela was no longer the end-all be-all. And spoilers for the movie, the main character is the house person now. The warlock. I I think that you can do the same thing with technology. You can say that there's a governing... You can bring this in. Yeah. But it's... It also determines how... What kind of stories you can tell. Right. So if you're in a game without deities, because that's the game you want to tell, you don't want to have deities present, then that changes how clerics and maybe druids or religions work. work. It changes what type of enemies might be present or not present. And the same thing, if you want to have a game where there's no undead, because you just hate undead. Yeah. Like that, that changes the type of stories that you can tell as well. It makes zombie apocalypses without undead. It just makes it a survival campaign. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I will say undead are, I like having them because they're an unambiguously bad guy that the players can kill. They're okay to re-kill. Yes, they are acceptable targets. No one feels bad about killing the already dead. Yeah. It's in present climate, people worry about, oh, there's an evil races or the cop out on undead or they're dead already yeah it's okay to kill them Mm -hmm. it's not okay to kill a bunch of goblins right (laughs) 
<laughs> we don't do that anymore. No. Yeah. So there is something about having an unambiguously bad guy. Like maybe all demons are bad. Like demons are a thing that's present or demons are not present. Now you have a campaign where you like you have an automatic anytime a player sees this thing they know it's an unambiguously bad guy. They know it's safe to attack. It might not be trying to eat their face right now, but it doesn't have their best intentions in mind. Yeah. And the supernatural allows that to be possible. Same thing with technology. Like maybe robots run amok. Mm -hmm. Anytime you see a robot, that is a bad thing. There's no good robots. All robots are evil. Yeah. to, (laughs) To go back to Terminator. Yeah. All robots in the Terminator universe are bad. Except for Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. If you see a robot that is Arnold Schwarzenegger, he's going to be good a couple of times. (laughs) Yeah. uh, One out of five times or something. Yeah. (laughs) They made more than two. (laughs) I think they made like nine now. (laughs) There's a lot. And you know what? He's been good and bad in multiple ones, I think. He's been the same. It's the story around him is bad and good or bad. He's not. He's different. He's different every time. A little bit. A little bit. It's a different robot that just... No, but I mean, Arnold has been the same. (laughs) Arnold thinks it's real. That's the thing. He just shows up to set and they all just play along with it, even acting. But yeah, so that gives you options about having unambiguously bad enemies. Let's you tell certain kinds of stories. It lets you have certain professions. It lets you have a bounty quest where if a villager says, I need a whole bunch of robot parts, give me give me 18 motors that you scavenge from killing robots and you go on a fetch quest. You can do that without pause, but at the same time, you're giving a lot of robots to someone, so that might not be a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's also like maybe you don't want to have one of those stories. You want to have a political campaign mm-hmm. or a game with a lot of intrigue then you want to make sure that you don't have an unambiguously bad guy to kill, where it's always a moral dilemma of, is the bad guy actually a bad guy, or is just someone with a different perspective? And for a political campaign, if your cleric can just ask their god, who's all-seeing, what's going on, and then get straight answers from the DM, it kills your political campaign. Yeah, the I think the D&D norm is that the gods are not omniscient. But if but, you do have omniscient gods. Yeah, you could have a campaign. Like maybe that's the thing that's in your world where the gods are omniscient. Or you can have a campaign where the gods are absolutely not omniscient. And in fact, they only know locally stuff like they have to they be They only present. know what they know. And yeah. also they only speak cryptically. Or you have gods who are only fed information through their temples. And so they are completely controlled by that temple organization yeah like their only view of the world is what has been told to them and they're just fed nothing but propaganda 24 7 yeah depending on how you decide those switches and knobs on the supernatural of your world can change the stories that you can tell and how the players will interact with them they're not immediately obvious either Right. Players, you don't have to tell this to the players. Hey, by the way, this is just things to have in the back of your head as your players will be interacting with the world. One cool thing that I liked from previous editions that they went into and with deities and demigods is that each of the deities, they have, they do have like special information. They know things that happen at certain times or when certain things happen, depending on their portfolio, like what kind of god they are. They will know things that are happening in the world associated with whatever it is that they are the god of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in that setting, like a god of farms or a god of wildlife might know how the forests of the world are and what's going on inside of them, but they're not going to know 
dirt about what's going on in the city. Like the god of the hunt might tell you where to find the boss monster, but if you're going to hunt it, but it's not going to tell you about the right ballroom dance to get into the back room. Yeah. These are things that you could totally ignore this section of world building and say, I don't want to deal with this. And that's okay. That you can just take a generic setting as because the player's handbook has some very vague ideas about this kind of stuff. And you can just keep them super vague Mm -hmm. and just tell the stories you want to tell. If your world building wants to pull in some of these ideas, you can. It's important to think about how they would change the story you're telling. And the story that you're telling will ultimately drive the kinds of of gods that you bring into it. If this is what you want to tell a story with. Like I just finished reading Neil Gaiman's Norse mythology book and the gods are both very powerful but also very flawed and very human. They are, they don't know everything. They're constantly making mistakes and getting lied to and doing the wrong thing. It's they're more folk stories. But be it would be interesting to tell a story where you can get a god angry at the other guy and then they go kill him and then they find out that they shouldn't have later and then they come after you. Yeah, that'd be a cool story to tell. I wouldn't want to be that player, though. No, but or it could be that that's your players are the second half of that, that they are the vengeance being brought on by the vengeful god who got his ego bruised by who your big, bad, evil guy is. Yeah. And these are the parts of world building that, you know, in any and as we said in the previous episode, any part of world building can be ignored if it's something that doesn't interest you. I did want to talk very briefly on how to defend against the supernatural. So I'm not talking about protection from good and evil, protection from good and evil. I'm talking about what do castles look like in a world where you have entities that could walk through walls. Okay, so I have in my world, spoilers, there is a, so there was a dragon, right, that was a psionically powered dragon that taught all the people, not all the people, but a portion of the people in this country to use psionics to empower them, to defend themselves. The dragon didn't like that these people used his power for war, fought against them. They killed the dragon, but then they lost the source. The dragon was like the source of their psionic power. Oh, had to find a new source of their psionic power. They captured a elder brain and placed it in their, yeah, an elder brain in their castle and used that the psionic power of the elder brain to to protect. To what's the word I'm looking for? Project a protection around the city. Right. Okay. Basically, you're thinking about like how a nation state would defend itself. Yeah. Like how that flavors that particular nation state, and other nations might not know about it. Yeah, yeah, it might be a secret. It might give that nation a leg up. And if the other nations did learn about it, they could then come up with ways to defend about it, defend themselves. Or what? how do you counter this? And one of the first things that we did was after inventing the airplane, we conquered the skies. We had powered flight. We unlocked the ability to fly and transport everywhere has been world changing over the past century. The first thing we did after delivering mail was we started taking pictures of battlefields with it, and then later we started dropping bombs from it. So the first thing you do after you get a new technology, if it can be used for war, it will be used for war. And so any harnessable supernatural or technology is probably going to have a presence in attack or defense. Yeah, and it's something to think about. You could tell a story 
with magic that is present and just never consider how it changes the battlefield. Right. Lots of stories do it. Lots of games do it. Lots of DMs do it. That's okay. But it can help immerse your world and make it feel unique if you do consider those things. Like, how does the presence of Warforged change the battlefield? Now you have these automatons that can be manufactured an army built there's this really great book out there's a couple of them that will tell you a lot about what happens when warforged are used for war it's called eberron rising from the last war it is a bit available from wizards of the coast keith baker the creator of eberron also put out his own book called exploring eberron that'll give you a whole bunch of inspiration for how to handle technology in your campaign Right. Yeah, and that's a beautiful example of how creating that thing, like the DM of that world, came up with a concept and then took it the next step and said, how does it affect the rest of the world? And that's important when, whenever you're world building. Right. Not just, this is neat, but then what happens afterward? Yeah, I guess to, to bring everything full circle, I believe, Azaf, we had a campaign planned or something planned where the goal of the big bad evil guy was to find a warforged and then transfer his consciousness into this warforged blank. So there was only one in the world left because it was old technology a while ago. And the players would eventually have to stop this. Otherwise, this war machine, this monster would have the intelligence and power of the big bad evil guy and the immortal body of a warforged. You can tell stories with these levels, but you have to tweak it. Otherwise, if warforged were everywhere, then there's not much of a conflict for the players to avoid because he could just pull one off the street. He could order it from Sky Mall. Yeah, again... These, all of these changes of world building are geared towards telling either the story that you're trying to tell or the feel of the story that you're trying to tell. If they're not servicing that, then they, you shouldn't really devote the energy to it. One more thing I just want to say for resources, for if you want to develop like a supernatural world that is influenced by the gods, I really recommend checking out Mystic Odysseys of Thero. A lot of information uh, about how to run adventures based around gods who are, influence the world. And then for technology, Eberron. Cool. Yeah, and Spelljammer when it comes out, if you want to do space stuff, yeah. Yay. I love space. <laughs> Spelljammer is distinctly low technology. I don't know if they've, how much they've changed it, but in the past it was very low technology, but guns. Okay, yeah. we'll see. That'll be fun to look forward to. Yeah. Anyway, that was another DM mystery demystified. Hello. Yay. Woo. We're getting there. Uh huh. We'll figure that one out. <laughs> This was Demystified. If you liked it, we'd appreciate it if you could leave a review or share this with your friends. Our website is demystified.com. Just the letter D, mystified.com. Do you have a question for us? Reach out via our Twitter handle at Pickled Wizards or ask on Facebook at Pickled Wizards. Same page. We might talk about your problem here.